This week, get to know retired 5th Group Warrant Officer Joe Shakinab in part two of our interview sharing his incredible story. Hear all about what inspired him to serve his country and the advice that was given to him in 5th Group that changed the way he looked at what makes a great Green Beret. All in this episode of Clarksville's Conversation. All in this episode of Clarksville's Conversation. All right, so if you missed our first half of the interview with Joe Shakinab, uh, go listen to it. It's on Clarksville's Conversation. Gives us his backstory growing up, uh, how he got into the Rangers, Green Berets. So, uh, so much inspiring stuff in part one. Please go listen to part one. Uh, part two, you told us in part one, Joe, when you got assigned to fifth group, this was 1990. Yes. Driving up and down 41A, you're, 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 you're crying. You're thinking you got punished because Clarksville was not then what it is now. Yes. But you stayed and this became home. Yes. Well, and, and, and again, like I talked about in part one was the language, right? Mm-hmm. You know, becoming really good at the language. And I went to the language um, uh, building there. We had the language Indeed. facility. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. I asked the director um, and I said, uh, Mr. Ashy, Hanny Ashy was the director. I said, what does it take to be very good at Arabic? He says, well, you have to study. Right, no brainer, right? I'm yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why I'm over here. Yeah. I said, well, how long is it going to take me to be great at this? He said, probably the rest of your life. <laughs> now, that didn't really help me, right? <laughs> right? How long that is that? Help, right? That didn't help me, right? I, I'm thinking he's going to say about a month with some one-on-one training. Yeah. You know, six months if I do it a couple of hours a day uh, and I stay right. a little bit on my own. Yeah. Right? Not the rest of my life. <laughs> right? Right. But I wanted to be very good mm-hmm. at this. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, this was before the first Gulf War, mm-hmm. right? So I start studying, right? yeah. start studying, studying, studying. So now during the first Gulf War, well, we go into um, Saudi and we're with these mechanized infantry brigades, yeah. right? So you have one special forces team with a whole lot of foreign troops and we don't have interpreters. But they have you. So I have my dictionary and I'm studying and I'm figuring this stuff out, right? And I realize, man... This is a very hard language, mm-hmm. right? I just got some basic, basic, basic stuff. Yeah. Yep. All right. But we did pretty good. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward. In 1993, where did we go? We go to Somalia. Mm-hmm. Right now, I've been studying since 1991 up until that mm-hmm. time. So we're going to Somalia, and we had two Special Forces A teams, and we had a B team, the company level. Mm-hmm. So the company commander asked me if I was interested in working with the State Department. I didn't know much about the State Department, so of course, but I'm going to say yes, right? Right. Mm. I'm not going to say no and all. Yes, yes, sir. I'm, yeah. I'm interested in working with him. So he drafts his letter. says, I have a guy who's been to Somalia before because I went in 1985 with the Rangers. Yeah. We jumped into Somalia. So I've been there before, yeah. right? So he'd been to Somalia before. He's good at Arabic, right? What does good mean? All right? Right. So he's good at Arabic, so he yeah. could be your communication link. Um, from because the ambassador was out of Djibouti, so all the travel up in Somaliland and then linked back to you know Mogadishu, blah blah blah. Yeah. So I went and I start working um, doing that with the State Department. So I do four or five weeks with the State Department, then I come back to Mogadishu and I get with my team and do some stuff with my team. So I was doing back and forth, just bouncing back and forth. So I got a chance to learn a lot and again use the language a lot. But in using language, I learned again. I really don't know this language. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because the more you use it, the more you realize right. you need to study. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. You need to study. So after Somalia, we come back and I asked the company Sergeant Major, I said, Sergeant Major, what is the chance of me going to DLI to learn Arabic? He says, Wow, you wanna learn you wanna go to DLI? I will have a school list for you today. Mm. So before four o'clock he had a list. Yeah. Pick the first thing available. 
sent the paperwork up, got approved. Then four or five months later, I'm heading to DLI, right, to the Presidio to study Arabic for yeah. 18 months, six hours a day, mm-hmm. right? Wow. So that's, so that's a lot of education for one subject, mm-hmm. Arabic language and literature. And I was doing a lot of homework. And, and like I said, I challenged those instructors to give me everything because I'm shooting for undergraduate. I'm shooting to be yeah. the best, right? Because now when I come back, I know I have to be the mm-hmm. best at mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Right? Or better than the best. Right. So I studied, 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 and I got not just the standard Arabic, but I got the Egyptian dialect, the Iraqi dialect, and the Syrian dialect. Mm. So they give you three different dialects, right? So I come back. That counts as my PCS. So now my clock starts over. Yeah. Right? Because I did 18 months. Mm-hmm. So it starts over now. So then I come back, and I go to some more schools, and I put in to go to the Special Forces Warrant Officer School. Mm-hmm. So I go to that school. So I come back again. So now my clock resets again. I go back to fifth group. And my team is already deployed to Kuwait. So I go to Kuwait, and I'm fired up. Right? Yeah. Remember the lady, Miss Mays? Yeah. I'm fired up, right? Keeping your head up. More knowledge now. Yeah. <laughs> so I go in. The team is living in crappy facilities. They're not eating good. They don't have all this. And I go in, and I start talking to the leadership, right, in Arabic, of course. Right? And these guys are blown away. Whoa, who is this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Who is this guy? He mm-hmm. can't be a special forces guy. Because the rest of them are not speaking like He's that. probably in finance. Oh, well, he's probably something else and just transplant it, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So, and I learned, man, with the language, you can really dominate, right? You can get a lot of things done. You can take care. And not only that, but you can understand. So fast forward, and I got a chance to use the language a lot. Yeah. I didn't, I got to the point where I didn't want an interpreter. Nowhere around me, right? Because, again, you talk about attitude, right? Right. You know, embracing the opportunity and the responsibilities right? that yeah. comes along with it. Yeah. So you touch it, you own it. So I touched it. I wanted a piece of it. So now I own it. Mm. Right. And you dominate. Right. So, I can, again, I want to be better than yeah. the best at that one thing that he whispered in my ear. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you guys can go and operate and do the works of this nation in the target language? Yeah. I have to imagine, too. That conversing with people in their language yes. is a more powerful statement than saying something to someone, waiting for them to figure it out, and Correct. then talking through yes. an interpreter. Yes. That when you are looking into their eyes and you are speaking their language, yes. that has to be a powerful statement. Yes. You're actually having a dialogue. Right. You're not, you're not talking through somebody. Yeah. You are communicating eye to eye, face to face. And one of the, the takeaways for me was not just the foreign language, mm-hmm. but the native language, right? So when yeah. you look when you listen here, yeah. when you communicate and you start listening to yourself, how strong of a communicator am I? Yeah. All right. If something don't go your way, you say, well, maybe I didn't communicate it mm-hmm. to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. I wasn't persuasive enough. Right. Or I missed the point somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So it goes back to your communication skills. So I often tell people the greatest thing I work on is my communication skills. I want to be better at yeah. communicating. Right. You really have a great attitude of not wanting to settle. Yes. You always yeah. want to be yeah. the best. Like a lot of people go through life and they're like, eh, I'm average. I'm okay. It seems like average would be an insult to you. Well, settle for what though? Right. Yeah. Settle for what? Good enough. Right. One of my mentors, right, a good, good friend, good advisor, Command Sergeant Major Sidney Brown, you know, mm-hmm. and I used to love listening to him. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, and you're talking man. about a guy that's in his late 80s at the time. Yeah. Right? And just full of wit. His mind was sharp, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he said, why stop? Right? You don't have to stop on your own. Something's going to stop you. 
time, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So while you have it, you better do everything you can do, yeah. right? Live with no regrets, right? And that was his attitude. Yeah. And, and seeing a guy in his late 80s, that really inspired me to say, man, why am I stopping? Yeah. Stop mm-hmm. for what? So does that translate into the new scholarship at Austin Peay State University? Because it seems like if you've listened to both parts, you know that, that, that you value education. Well, yeah. over time, you know, and, and when I retire and, and something I see sometimes from other retirees is really finding your place mm-hmm. post-retirement. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because you have a lot of talent. You did a lot of things in uniform, but now you're out. Right? And you don't have that circle. You, you can't just go and just do stuff. But you still, you still want to do things, right? Yeah. You still want to live. You want to give. You want to be part. So how are you going to be part? Part of what? Yeah. You have to find that what. Right? And I often tell a lot of the veterans, especially guys that had a lot of responsibility when they were in, man, think about finding your what yeah. well before you transition. Yeah. Right? Because that can be the scariest part for you. You wake up in the morning, no one's offing you coffee, no one's saying good morning, no one's... So psychologically, man, yeah. you can defeat yourself. Mm-hmm. So, right. so I have a question for you because you're, you're so focused. Mm-hmm. And, and I, so I had this, I don't want to say a problem, but, you know, I always felt like I had to be involved in so many things mm-hmm. and contribute to so many things, but I don't think I really focused mm-hmm. on the what. Right. Right. You know, so I would help this organization, this one, this one, yes. this one, this one. And then I felt like I was deluded, yes. for, for lack of yeah. better terms. And so over the last few years, I've, I've realized, find you a couple of things that relate to where you yes. where you belong. And, yes. and the more I listen to you, the more I feel like I need to keep drilling down yes. on that. You know, there's one or two or three maybe things that are semi-related mm-hmm. versus trying to be a lot of things to a lot of people yes yes and and that's one of the things some great advisors and mentors have really that have watched me you know post retirement and says you're all over the place what are those one or two things that you really care mm-hmm. about that you're, that you're passionate about mm-hmm. and focus on those yeah. one or two things right? that's what that's what i'm learning and it takes time to figure that out yeah right so and I said, you know, leadership, I love leadership. I love giving leadership. I love inspiring that, or I love facilitating that movement, and especially in young adults, yep. and then scholarship. Yeah. All right? So me, you know, being a part of the Austin P, right, um, I'm family, right? Yeah. That's what it is, right? It's a family. Me being part of that family, I had to, it took some time to find my niche, right? What is it that I really want to do? What mark? So when we formed the military alumni chapter, I was actually the vice president. And a great friend, Thomas Mercer, out of Memphis, was the president. Mm-hmm. But um, after we got it established, he said, Joe, you know, can you take over as president? I said, well, as long as you always be my advisor, I'll take over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I became the president and always had him on short. But defining what we're going to do as a chapter. And we came to the conclusion very early on, let's focus on scholarships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's build some scholarships for our military affiliated students. All right. And now, how do you do that? Again, that's a whole different skill set. Yeah. Right? So what did I do? I went to the advancement office, and I talked to Coach Gregory. Mm-hmm. Right? Coach, I have a question. Well, what's the question, Joe? Well, I want to be good at one thing, raising money to do scholarships. Well, what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. So he didn't give me the answer. He made me think. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Tell me your approach to this. Right? So he assessed my ideas. Right? Mm-hmm. And then he kind of guided a little bit. And then says, I think you'll do well. Right? I think you'll do well. Right? Which tells me I got more work to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That's right. There was no affirmation that, man, you got this. He says, I think you'll do well. Yeah. 
which means proceed with caution. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So again, that's a learning curve, right? How do you set up an endowment? And then how do you pick a person, right? You're right? Or yeah. a name. Yeah. Because he taught me one thing. Sometimes people would give in support of a person versus a cause. That's a good point. That yep. happens a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. Right. If if they yeah. believe in you, yes. they believe that you will do the right thing. Yes. Well, I'm so, you after so, a half hour conversation with you, Joe, I'll give you any money you want. If it <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the truth. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, when I'm getting from this whole day, of course, I've learned a lot about myself listening yes. to you. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not sure that I really appreciate what, <laughs> what I learned. You got Charlie uh, looking deep, Joe. Of being a lesser, lesser man. But I, but I, but man, I love it. I, I love what you do and what you stand for, and in your approach. and And I've known you for a few years, off and on, casually. Yes. And and I think today has really, really brought a lot more out yes. in my understanding of who Joe is. Right. You know, because you look at a military guy and you look at an Austin P guy and you try to wrap all that together. But right. what does that really mean? Yes. Exactly. But but I think I think we know what it means now. Well, and I think to a common thread, you're talking about growing up in Mount Bayou, Mississippi, and how the elders, when you wanted to learn how to sell those magazines, you went to an elder. Right. You had the the, the woman who yelled at you for for having your head down. And it seems like the common thread throughout your entire story has been mentors in your life, people that have have given you little nuggets of wisdom and have given you guidance, haven't told you how to do something, but have pointed you in the right direction and given you just enough information to get excited and to move in that direction. Mm -hmm. One of the last things is we could we could go on for hours. This could be the longest one ever. How do people find those in their life? How do you find those those people that will drastically change your life? Those mentors that will make you a better person? Well, you know, there was a quote that I learned a long time ago, and I don't even know who it's from, but it says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. Right? So be receptive to learn. Yeah. Be receptive to grow. Right? You have to be ready for that. Right? Mm-hmm. You can't be the know-it-all. Yeah. You can't be the Mr. Arrogant. Right? You have to be very humble. Mm-hmm. Right? And just believing that there's more in you, there's more you can do. And those around you are going to help facilitate that movement. Yeah. Right? And then never be satisfied knowing that you can give more, you can do more, um, you can empower more people, you can guide more people. So just as, all, as I often say that many have poured into me, mm-hmm. I truly believe deep in my heart that today and tomorrow and those days following is my opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, an opportunity to pour into others. Amen. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Chief Warrant Officer uh, for retired, CW4 retired, uh, Joe Shakinab, one of the most fascinating people I can say we've probably ever had on Clarksville's conversation. Joe, thank you for for blessing us with uh, some time and some incredible wisdom through two parts of Clarksville's conversation. I have a feeling you need to have him back on because I think the surface has just been scratched. I I agree. (laughs) Just a little scratch of the surface. More to come. Exactly. Exactly. Subscribe to Clarksville. Clarksville's Conversation, wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on a single conversation.